0: Welcome to the Tech Meme Ride Home for Thursday, February 14th, 2019. I'm Brian McCullough. Happy Valentine's Day today. Amazon says thank you, but no thank you to New York City. JP Morgan has its own crypto token. Google might try to come at the iPhone on price. And the legendary Lee Klow retires. Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. Well, I guess... Amazon wasn't engaging in a negotiating tactic after all. There were rumors that Amazon was reconsidering putting its HQ2 headquarters in New York City. And, well, they reconsidered. Quoting the New York Times, Amazon said on Thursday that it was canceling plans to build a corporate campus in New York City. The company had planned to build a sprawling complex in Long Island City, Queens, in exchange for nearly $3 billion in state and city incentives. But the deal had run into fierce opposition from local lawmakers who criticized providing subsidies to one of the world's most valuable companies. Amazon said the deal would have created more than 25,000 jobs, end quote. Here's a statement from Amazon itself. We do not intend to reopen the HQ2 search at this time. We will proceed as planned in northern Virginia and Nashville and will continue to hire and grow across our 17 corporate offices and tech hubs in the U.S. and Canada, end quote. So, after all the back and forth, there really was only one HQ2 after all, and Northern Virginia got it after all, with a little bit of Nashville thrown in for flavor. Apparently, just yesterday, New York Governor Cuomo and City Mayor Bill de Blasio were still brokering meetings between Amazon executives and union and community leaders. So, this really was apparently an abrupt decision. It's too early for any of the behind the scenes pieces or think pieces to come out. So, for now, let's just satisfy ourselves with some Twitter snark and hot takes. Seth Weintraub literally just tweeted Amazon take. Bezos wants jurisdiction he can push around. He found that in Cuomo slash de Blasio. Locals with less to gain slash more to lose wanted assurance that Amazon wasn't going to leech the area. Clearly, Amazon was not willing to fight that battle. Tons of other places will capitulate, end quote. And then pollster extraordinaire, kid Harry Enton tweeted, Most of the polling indicated NYCers wanted Amazon in NYC. When tax breaks were mentioned, support did fall, but even with it mentioned, support was very strong in Queens, end quote. Peter Kafka noted, Reminder that Google is buying approximately all the real estate in Manhattan south of 23rd Street, and it's no big deal, end quote. Here's Kevin Roos. Roses are red, violets are blue. Hope you didn't buy a condo in Queens ahead of HQ2. Which, actually, I had heard Amazon folk were already actively buying up places, hope not too many of them were. But I'm going to give the snark belt today to our friend M.G. Siegler, who tweeted, quote, and Jeff Bezos continues his Michael Corleone baptism scene, end quote. I go back and forth on whether or not the crypto fad has faded, at least when it comes to Wall Street. There was a time when I was doing segments on the regs about this bank setting up a division to explore the blockchain, or this fancy new financial instrument maybe being tied to crypto and coming to market soon. And those sorts of headlines just don't pop up that much anymore. So the fact that JP Morgan has created its own crypto token, the JPM coin, surprised me. And perhaps it's more surprising because it's JP Morgan, whose own Jamie Dimon was. Once famous for calling Bitcoin a fraud, J.P. Morgan is apparently going to use a new digital token to actually settle transactions. And trials of this are set to begin in a few months. And actually, this really makes a lot of sense. This is, for the first time at least to my eyes in a long time, a logical use case for blockchain, quoting CNBC. J.P. Morgan moves more than $6 trillion around the world every day for corporations in its massive wholesale payments business. In trials set to start in a few months, a tiny fraction of that will happen over something called J.P.M. Coin, the digital token created by engineers at the New York-based bank to instantly settle payments between clients. J.P. Morgan is preparing for a future in which parts of the essential underpinning of global capitalism, from cross-border payments to corporate debt issuance, move to the blockchain. That's the database technology made famous by its first application, Bitcoin. But in order for that future to happen, the bank needed a way to transfer money at the dizzying speed that those smart contracts closed, rather than relying on old technology like wire transfers, end quote. The JPM coin will apparently be what is known as a stable coin. Its value will be tied directly to the U.S. dollar, so it shouldn't, in theory, fluctuate in value. Quoting again, clients will be issued the coins after depositing dollars at the bank. After using the tokens for a payment or security purchase on the blockchain, the bank destroys the coins and gives clients back a commensurate number of dollars. End quote. JP Morgan wants to initially use the tokens for international payments between its large corporate clients. So doing an end run around the decades-old Swift payments transfer network, but they also want to use it for securities transactions. Again, with this, there would be no need to rely on wires or wire transfers to buy a stock or bond, use the token for instant settlement, and you're done. If you're in the crypto space and want more details on the JPM coin, it will initially be running on top of Quorum, the private version of Ethereum that the bank itself developed. From an FAQ page on the J.P. Morgan website, the JPM coin will be issued on Quorum blockchain and subsequently extended to other platforms. JPM coin will be operable on all standard blockchain networks. Over time, JPM coin will be extended to other major currencies. The product and technology capabilities are currency agnostic." Sources are saying Google plans to take advantage of Apple's recent issues with maybe, sort of, perhaps having pushed the price ceiling too high with recent iPhones. The sources say Google intends to unveil a lower-priced smartphone this year that will come in under the iPhone XR's current $749 starting price iPhone price floor. Notable that the cheapest model in the most recent Pixel lineup came in at $799, $50 more. Google is reportedly not going for the low, low end, though, for $150 smartphones. But something more in the mid-range would help Google's hardware efforts, especially in Asia, where Apple, again, has had its recent problems because of pricing issues. Quoting the Nikkei Asian Review... The new phone will be the spearhead of Google's drive to expand the hardware using its operating systems. New products planned for this year include smart speakers, wearables, and web cameras, sources familiar with the company's plans told the Nikkei Asian Review. Google also plans to launch a new premium phone in its Pixel range, as usual. To further its hardware ambitions, the internet giant is scooping up Apple talent and expanding its production partnerships across Asia. Over the last two years, Google has hired hundreds of hardware engineers and supply chain specialists from Apple. People familiar with the matter said it also acquired 2,000 engineers from embattled Taiwanese smartphone maker HTC in 2017, end quote. So, yes, all of those engineers can also work on things like smart speakers. Another race that Google is in, this time with Amazon. And in this case, when it comes to smart speakers or smart digital assistant doodads and hardware, all signs are that they might be finding increasing success. Get a free two-week trial at one com slash ride. That's two free weeks at the number one, the word password, all one word, dot com slash ride. 1password.com slash ride. So I legit do not know what to make about this iOS Enterprise Developer Certificate story. Reuters is reporting that software developers are actively using Apple's enterprise developer certificates to distribute hacked versions of popular apps like Spotify and Minecraft. Quote, illicit software distributors such as Tutu App, Panda Helper, App Valley, and Tweakbox have found ways to use digital certificates to get access to a program Apple introduced to let corporations distribute business apps to their employees without going through Apple's tightly controlled app store. Using so-called enterprise developer certificates, these pirate operations are providing modified versions of popular apps to consumers, enabling them to stream music without ads, and to circumvent fees and rules in games, depriving Apple and legitimate app makers of revenue, end quote. And what's more, quote, Apple has no way of tracking the real-time distribution of these certificates or the spread of improperly modified apps on its phones, but it can cancel the certificates if it finds misuse. There's nothing stopping these companies from doing this again from another team, another developer account, said Amni Hambaba, head of security at software firm Shape Security, end quote. The reason I can't wrap my mind around this is that it feels so weirdly unlike Apple. They're usually so careful about product, so careful about their platform and tightly locking down things to prevent abuse like this. It just feels weirdly naive and flaky on their part. Like, they just trusted that everyone using these enterprise certificates would play nice, play by the rules. I just recorded a weekend bonus episode interview with Mark Gurman and he said that Apple has known about this for a while. They didn't do anything because they weren't losing money because of it. Well, actually, this story says they probably have been. These were supposed to be free apps. But if Apple knew that Facebook and Google and others like them were abusing it, that's one angle of it. Maybe they should have expected that partners like that would have played above board but then allowing developers to do things that would actively harm the businesses of other important apps on the ecosystem. You know, Rovio's not going to like fake free versions of Angry Birds out there. Neantic wouldn't like versions of pirated Pokemon Go's in the wild. I mean, here's how it works. Again, quoting from the Reuters piece. Tutu App offers a free version of Minecraft, which costs $6.99 in Apple's App Store. App Valley offers a version of Spotify's free streaming music service with the advertisements stripped away. The distributors make money by charging $13 or more per year for subscriptions to what they call VIP versions of their services, which they say are more stable than free versions. It is impossible to know how many users buy such subscriptions, but the private distributors combined have more than 600,000 followers on Twitter, end quote. So again harming the business of major apps on the App Store, and also actively harming Apple's own business on the App Store. Add to that the sideloading of porn apps, which Apple doesn't like. I don't know. I just don't get this story. Naive, flaky, either way, those are adjectives I don't usually associate with Apple. I just find it weird that this has been going on, and either Apple didn't care that much or didn't know enough or something. It just... It just feels all weirdly out of character. And finally today, Lee Clow, the advertising mastermind behind Apple's Think Different and Get a Mac ad campaigns, as well as the 1984 Macintosh Super Bowl ad, widely considered to be the greatest television ad of all time, has announced that he is retiring in a press release today titled... Love note to advertising, Klaus said, quote, The years I spent doing this thing called advertising have been fun, challenging, rewarding, maddening, sometimes painful, but mostly joyful. And I wouldn't trade a day of it. In the same press release, Apple's Tim Cook added, quote, During his long partnership with Steve and Apple, Lee told powerful visual stories that elevated new technologies with the passion, creativity, and ingenuity that define our own humanity. He helped Apple carry itself through times of challenge, and his work inspired audiences to look beyond the horizon as an exciting future came into view. Lee's body of work over five decades hums with cleverness, warmth, and enthusiasm, and there's no doubt that it will inspire and motivate generations of crazy ones still to come." Other iconic campaigns that Lee Clow was behind Taco Bell's Yo Quiero Taco Bell campaign, the Impossible is Nothing campaign for Adidas and Energizers it keeps going and going and going and going campaign. That is all for today. Historical note, today's show title is a reference to a famous New York Daily News headline from the 1970s when then-president Gerald Ford denied New York City a federal bailout of its then-financial crisis, and it looked like the city was about to go into bankruptcy. Speaking of history, though, quick plug for friend of the show and occasional guest host Glenn Fleischman. Glenn is a typography buff, a history of printing, history of media buff, and he has a Kickstarter running to give you a piece of printing history. From letterpress to the present. At a certain level on Glenn's Kickstarter, if you participate, you can get a custom handmade wood museum case holding a couple dozen genuine artifacts from the past, including a paper mold for casting newspaper ads in metal, individual pieces of wood and metal type, a phototype font, and a linotype slug set with your own custom message, along with original commissioned art and a letterpress printed book, and a few replicas of items found in various printing shops. So these are real historical items, museum quality items. It's the history of printing, the history of media in miniature, a teaching tool, a time machine with real actual stuff to call your own. Media nerds, history nerds, check it out. And even if you don't want a piece of the higher levels, $10 $10 will get you an ebook History of 6 Centuries of Type and Printing from Gutenberg to the Present. So check this out at tinytype.museum.com link in the show notes. Talk to you tomorrow.